taking an unconventional look at stocks, property, bonds, economics, and more. This is the Total Money Management Podcast with Steve Moriarty, Tom Hill, and Jacob Senior. Hey guys, welcome back to the Total Money Management Podcast. As always, I'm here with Tom Hill and Steve Moriarty. How are we going, gents? Very well, thank you. Good. Good eye, good eye. We're um, we're cracking into the year already. We're in February, and by the time this releases, it might be March or the end of the end of Feb. So we're hooking into it. Look, I think today um, there's a few things last week that, if you're an avid listener, we missed: inflation, economy, and the European stock market. And we'll weave that into the absolute mountain of things we need to cover today, <laughs> um, which is including, but not limited to, the US stock market, China, Absolutely. Russia, yes, conflict, keep going, and the rest of it. But um, we might actually start with um, last week's The Week That Was, and I'm just going to read this verbatim. Just date it. February the 5th to the 9th. 5th That's what 9th. we're talking about. Okay, let's do that. And the 9th is special, remember, right? Because that was my birthday. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot already. <laughs> I probably get that in. Jesus. <laughs> 60... uh, 61. 61. <laughs> miles of wisdom. Wisdom. So many. Look, eye-popping factory construction boom in the US. Chip makers on the forefront, but Chips Act funds not even released yet. Yep. Perfect. What does that mean, Steve? Well, it, it, it goes to our point about... The, the way the world's changing because you haven't seen that level of investment in America for probably 20 or 30 years, right? We just give it all to China. You can make it over there cheaply, just set it up in China for $5 billion rather than spend 50 in the US, right? That's the way. And as I said before, we've done that because we're all friends. Well, we're not friends anymore, so now we're changing it. And this is the important part for investors because as we, you know, we, me, bang on about all the time we're in a new we're in a new paradigm right and that's we're still we are still trying to look at it through the old paradigm right which is and to sort of just veer off well not veer off but the government joe biden's inflation reduction act has spent an absolute bucket load of money getting taiwan semiconductor manufacturing company from taiwan to build in the US, right? Now Taiwan is building in Japan. Now, why would it do that when it hasn't been doing that? It's been it's now doing that because the US has changed its industry policy. Right? So the US is now saying, listen, we're not going to buy that stuff from China. We want it in our own backyard. Mm. Right? And that's being brought about from the military conflict and the different ideologies and stuff. But the point of putting this together is saying when when the US changes its mind, everybody else has to adapt to it, right? And you've already seen that with Europe complaining about, you know, American subsidies, right? Well, Europe and China and Japan have been subsidising their country, uh, their companies and taking advantage of the Americans, right? So the Americans have now said, okay, no more. That's the end of it. Now they're all going, oh, this is terrible. You know, it's like, well, guys, you're going to have to reform your economies like the Americans did in in the 1980s along with Australia and, and like we talked about in previous podcasts with Maggie Thatcher. Mm-hmm. Right? The, it, it's now at the point where the Americans have said enough's enough. And they did it about 
oh, don't hold me on it, but about 25 years ago with the Japanese, right? The Japanese were, the yen was at 360 yen to the dollar, right? Americans couldn't make anything because the Japanese were just subsidising all their industries. So the Americans went to the Japanese and said, guys, this has got to stop. Now, Toyota and all you guys, you better start building some factories in the USA or we're going to start banging on some tariffs, mm. right? And that's when the Japanese went, okay, cool. Toyota went and started building factories in the USA, right? Now what you're seeing is the Chinese are all building factories in Mexico, right, to get, mm. a, get around the, the Chinese tariffs. So the Chinese will go, no, 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 we're, we're exporting from Tijuana, not, not Beijing, Oh, well, it doesn't, a tariff doesn't apply, but it's still Chinese-owned. Now, the problem there is going to be the Americans saying, yeah, but that's proprietary technology that we're using and we don't want you guys getting it for free. Yeah, I mean, but in my mind, and I could be wrong, that's not necessarily deglobalisation. That's just moving your chess piece to somewhere else. No, this is, uh, and this is where a lot of people are making the mistake of arguing that what you're seeing at the moment is the end of the process, right? And what I'm saying is, no, 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 we haven't even started down this path yet. Oh, sorry, right? sorry. So you see what I mean? Like the Europeans have said, the Chinese are now flooding the European market with cheap electric vehicles, right? And solar energy and all that stuff, right? The Europeans have tolerated that because they've been, particularly the Germans, have been running surpluses with the Chinese, Right, so we're happy to sell Chinese BMWs and Audis and all that sort of stuff and set up in China and make money. Now the Chinese are flooding the European market with EVs. So Volkswagen and all the German companies that make for the domestic market are saying, well, hang on, we can't compete with these Chinese EVs. Right? So what do the Germans do? Well, the Europeans have said, oh, well, what we need to do is we need to have a look at this. There could be, you know, they could be unfairly you know, they could be unfairly supporting their, their Chinese, you know, BYD, right, mm. car. Well, why? Because it's going to create unemployment in Europe. Yeah. And the Europeans are going to go, hey, 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 hang on, we, we need car manufacturers, right? So this is what happened in Australia and the US when the Japanese flooded our markets with cars, we went, Oh, well, we don't, you know, we can't have Holden and Ford and Chrysler and all those people making cars in Australia. We can pull them out of Thailand and Japan for half the price. Well, let's just kill our car manufacturers, right? So when you do that and you say, listen, there's now 10,000 people out of work, everybody goes, well, this is bullshit. That's not very good. That's now come to Europe where Europe is saying, well, hang on. Yeah, we understand this free trade. Yeah, it's really good when it works in our favour. Yeah. Right, and that's where that's why I'm saying we're getting we're not finished with that by a long shot. That's interesting. Right? So the process has definitely started, right, to bring Ab things back on shore. Absolutely, Tom. <coughs> that's that is the one point, right? And yep. but the point being, it's way not over yet. Oh, it'll. T I think you said in one of the the last podcasts, like this is probably a twenty year journey. Absolutely. Um, but you know that that article that you shared with us and the subscribers in the the week that was five to nine, which yep, we're talking yep. about today, yep. uh, that Wolf, Wolf Street article is nuts. Um, it says here, uh, in December, companies ploughed $18.4 billion into the construction and manufacturing plants in the US. So they spent $220 bill last year yep. on manufacturing. 
that was up 64% from the previous year and up 131% from two years before. That's a du- that's over a double in two years. One hundred percent, and Mate, that is going gangbusters. It's one hundred and seventy percent from December twenty nineteen. Yep. So obviously, when the COVID stuff started and all the supply chain issues um, started, obviously you started talking about it then. Exactly. Going, Hang on, I think we're going to see a shift here. Yes, it that's must, the must feel good to see. Well. Your yeah, hypothesis are playing well, out. Well, that's why it's good being 61, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> you could look at it and say, I've been seeing this shit for 40 years. I told you I'd be correct one time. Um, but my point being, see, that's what's happened with COVID, right? What, what, what you get every – at the end of a cycle, at the end of a paradigm, you get an event where they go, well, hang on, that's not right anymore. See, in the last cycle, the 70s, it was inflation, Right. We, we, the oil price went from three bucks to 40 bucks, right? A barrel. It just, you know, you guys are too young. You weren't born then, right? I can tell you, people lined up at garages. It was insane. I was there when we had 18% interest rates. It was madness, right? That forces people, particularly idiot economists, to go, well, hang on, maybe something's wrong here, right? And you have to recheck the paradigm. That's what happened with COVID. The Americans looked at the system and went, Jesus Christ, we're exposed for all of this stuff. And you, you've got to remember, countries are about power and protecting their, their public, right? The Americans run the global military system to protect their freedom. That's how they see it. And so when you look at it and say, well, hang on, we're relying on China for all of this processing of these materials, that exposes us to China and China now has leverage over us. That's why Biden said, right, no more semiconductor information to the Chinese because the Americans do the R&D and then they go, we figured out how to make a three nanometer chip, give it to the Chinese and they'll make the three nanometer chip and they'll spend 10 billion doing getting the new machines and all that sort of stuff, then they'll export it to us. Once you say, well, hang on, we need those chips for missiles to aim at the Chinese, what are we giving it to the Chinese for? Because they're going to aim the missiles back at us. Yeah. That's, that's the point. And that's why I say to people, we are no longer in a globalised world. You can call it re-globalisation, de-globalisation, friend-shoring, whatever you want. But what's happening is the world is changing significantly from just buy any stuff you want from anywhere to, no, 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 you're not allowed to buy that. So all these Chinese companies are struggling to get stuff in the United States, right? So, so what does this mean? So as we this shift continues, yep. right, um, wouldn't that be a good thing? More local jobs. Obviously, you know, we can probably expect goods to go up because it's going to cost more to manufacture, presumably. Yep. Uh, and it's going to take a lot of, you know, government stimulation. Yep to make that happen or to, to incentivize people to want to bring that manufacturing here. Yep. But what does it mean? Like, why does it, that change how we invest? Okay. It changes, Tom, because if I say to you, um, Tom, you've got to buy an Australian car, right? Listen, you can't buy BYD anymore, right? We don't like the Chinese. They're not our friends and we don't want them to import cars here. Right, so you want to buy the the BYD electric car, and it's right because it's twenty grand, and you don't want to buy a Volkswagen because it's you know seventy five grand, right? So you buy the Chinese one because it's cheap, right? And that's what you can afford. But when I say to you, Tom, you can't do that anymore, 
right? You've got to buy the Australian one or you can buy the one from Thailand and it costs more, okay? So what you're getting is a shifting of the, of the investment and the mix between the, the owners, right, the, the capital owners and the staff. And I, I, I think we went through this a couple of weeks ago with the coffee, right? Once, you, once your labour costs go up, if you can't put the price up, what you're doing is reducing the profit, yeah. Right? Because your $4 coffee, you're paying 2 bucks to Jacob to make it. If you're now going to pay 2 bucks 50 to Jacob, you've either got to say, well, my coffee's going from four fifty to 5 or it's four fifty, and now Tom, the business owner, is not making 2 bucks a cup, he's making $1.50. Right? That's what's going on. And so what we're seeing is everything's going to go up in price because we're not allowed to buy stuff from certain people anymore right? Chinese, Russians, right? So the price of oil will probably rise if the Russians are basically cut out of that, that market. Mm. Or it may be that we are not, not allowed, but the tap is just slowed. The oxygen's turned down from China. The oxygen's turned down from places that we don't have that trading relationship with. And another tap to Taiwan or Thailand or somewhere else, Japan, that's turned on. Yes, so yes. consumer sentiment will go, well, shit, I don't want to wait two weeks for a BYD car, and so I'll get this I'll buy FYD a or right. a Kia. Yeah, because we're from, friends with Korea. Yeah, from f- right now off the car yard. So the consumer sentiment will change from one place to another because of just federal decisions. But I think from an investor perspective, then um, investors that are investing in BYD and all these companies that are overseas – will start to be turned off by the fact that consumers can't get their goods, the profits will decrease, and it'll just be, to your point, Tom, before that slow period of change between certain countries that we are looking to import and export to and from to new ones. So investor sentiment will change over to there and then more onshore. Yep. Um, but that's the way I see it. You know, I don't think we're ever going to see, well, we just don't like China, so we're not going to, we're banning everything coming in. I'm, I could be wrong. No, no, no. What we, like this, is, this, is the, this is the critical part for Australia, right? Because we have a strategic ideological connection to the Americans, right? We believe in freedom. We believe in free trade. We believe in open markets, all of that sort of stuff, right? We don't believe in supporting the Communist Party with, no, there's no democratic elections, you know, this guy's in charge, blah, 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 right? We have the rule of law, we have corporate governance, we have open capital markets, and we have democracy, right? Now, the Chinese don't really have any of those. The law is arbitrary, right? That's why they arrest people when, when you know, people like Jack Ma get too, too uh, smart for their own good, <laughs> right? So what we do is but we export all of our minerals to the Chinese, right? So we've got an economic relationship with the Chinese, but we've got a strategic relationship with the Americans, yeah. right? And at some point, see, when we, when we were going gangbusters with Japan, it was fine because the Japanese and the Americans were friends and the Japanese were content. They didn't want to rule the world, right? So that's all right, no problem. But this is different because the Chinese are intent on staking their claim. What you've seen happen over the past five years is a change in the Australian-Chinese relationship. 
they they banned our lobsters. They banned our wine, right? They they created trouble for us, right? Mm. They start arresting Australian Chinese, right? On it's re- still it's relatively shaky now. I think Jim Chalmers was over there a couple of months ago with their treasurer, absolutely trying to patch things up with them. Yeah, but that's but that's what I mean. You see, that because the Chinese are saying, "Well, hang on, you guys are, you guys are buying American nuclear submarines, trawling the bloody South Pacific, and monitoring us there, but you want us to buy your iron ore." And you want to buy our, you know, BYD cars or those sorts of things. Mm. So that's where it becomes really tricky because the Americans say to us, well, listen, dude, we don't want you selling those really valuable rare earths to the Chinese. We want you to sell them to us, Mm. right, because we don't like the Chinese. So Australia's got to walk this fine line between America and China, which we've never had to do with America and Japan or America and Russia, yeah. Right when we're in the Cold War, and so this is why we're we're you know we're p- p- um, ponying up to, you know, Thailand, Indonesia, India, because th- we're trying to get a replacement for that huge market we've had for the last twenty years for our exports, which has been China. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now the point back to your point, Tom, what it means is there are companies that you're going to look at and go, man, they're really connected to the Chinese market. That's a real risk now. Right, so think back to the days of Russia when Russians attacked Ukraine. There were so many companies went, well, now we, have to, now we have to get out of Russia, right? Well, that impacts their corporate earnings. So they're not worth 10 bucks a share now, they're worth 8 bucks. And like I said, I think a couple of weeks ago, we discussed the idea where the Chinese government said, don't bring your iPhones to work, mm. right? Well, most Chinese can only afford one phone, and so what do they do? They buy a local Chinese phone. Yeah. It's interesting as well. Over the last few years, actually, there's been a lot of talk about the global superpower or the global economic superpower changing hands from the US to China. And it seems to be talked about more and more. But all the numbers are saying that that's just, it's not just can't happen. happen. It's not going to happen. Look, people underestimate the Americans all the time. The Americans trade about 10 to 15% with the world, right? Germany's exports are 50% of its GDP, mm. right? 50%. Surely that's a high, it's a high percentage for us too though, isn't it? No, we're one of the lower ones as well with Japan. Right. In Relative to our GDP, we export about 20%, right? And of course it's, you know, wheat and iron ore. And... The American economy is so large internally, right, that they don't need the rest of the world. They can, they've got energy, they've got food. China is completely reliant on the outside world to feed and have energy. That's a vulnerability, right? That's why the Chinese are so desperate to, to build ships and try and get some leverage over the sea lanes. Right, because you've got to have energy. We could cut China off and the Americans could cut China off and they'd be starving in a really short period of time. Right? If the Chinese said, right, we're going to war with the Americans, Americans say, right, eh? all the battleships in the Pacific, nothing gets past this point. Right? We go and bomb Russian grain things, blah, blah, blah. The Chinese starve to death. It's all over Red Rover. Now, people think, oh, that's an exaggeration. It's not. It's not. This is the this is the importance of global it's trade. It's the fragility of it all. Absolutely. You see, because for the last twenty or thirty years, we've been growing trade, right? So everyone's been going. This is great. This is fantastic. Nobody's gone. Gee, 
you know, what would happen if X, Y, Z happened? Oh, yeah, well, that'd be terrible, but it's not going to happen. And even the Americans have fallen for it with the military hardware, right? All of Europe, no, I shouldn't say all of Europe, but a lot of countries have stopped making tanks, right? They've stopped making um, bombs and bullets. Why? Well, you know, we're not at war with anybody, really. We've got a couple of things going on in Afghanistan, but, you know, nothing major going on. Russia attacks Ukraine and Europe goes, oh, shit, we should have built more tanks. And it's like, well, you better get on with it, boys, right? <laughs> and, and that's the point. Now you're seeing, as, a, as one of the three uh, four Cs, the conflict, what the Americans have done is gone, well, hang on, we need to be able to supply Ukraine with the weapons it needs to defend against Russia. Europe are the same thing. That's why Donald Trump is saying to NATO, well, you know, if you guys don't want to pay, fine. We'll let, you know, I'll let Russia attack you if you don't want to pay us as part of your GDP. You know, like there's a 2% spending thing, right? So Germany, France, Italy, all those countries in Europe have got to spend 2% of their GDP on military hardware and software. They, a lot of them haven't been doing it for a long time. Again, they've been relying on the Americans. Ah, oh, fuck it, let the Americans do it, right? They're doing it for us, you know, they love that stuff, right? The American spending in military is, is more than all the other countries put together. Now, that's, you know, like I'm talking a trillion dollars, that's a lot. Yeah. So, so if, if the Europeans suddenly go, oh, Jesus, actually, hang on, the game's changed. Russia's now wanting to take Ukraine and all of those other states. Oh, that's all right. We'll help Ukraine. Uh, boss, we haven't got enough bullets. It's like, oh, shit, okay, we better uh, sit down and figure this out. And, and in the last, this week's week that was, February 16, von der Leyen, the European commissioner, has now said we need to subsidise military production. Mm. You see what I mean? So what would you do as an investor? Let's say you, Tom, make military bullets, right? Yeah. Well, what, what goes out, into a bullet? Well, you know. But what I'm saying that's is, I probably invest. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, Ballon de Leon has just said that they're going to subsidise Tom's company and make bullets. I'm going to go and buy Tom's company because mm. Tom's going to make a shitload of bullets and make a shitload of money. The Europeans are already doing the subsidy stuff, and what Biden is doing is is now saying, okay, well. We'll do the same stuff. But the Europeans are now going, well, hang on, that's not fair to us. And the Americans are going, I know, but you've been bending us over for the last 30 years. It's going to stop now. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You They're see? all looking so, for their own best interests. Exactly, exactly. The Americans have tolerated the, the trade surplus countries, which are Europe, Japan and China, but now they've drawn a line in the sand and said, no more. Mm-hmm. And it became apparent when the Chinese said... In two, the, the Chinese had a five-year plan, right? For 2025, they said, we want to be self-sufficient. So the Americans said, well, hang on, you guys are not playing free trade anymore. Yeah, what about us? Exactly. Look, we don't mind you sending us your BYD cars as long as we can send you our, you know, semiconductor technology and stuff. When the Chinese said, no, 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 we're going to steal all that stuff and do it ourselves and we don't want you anymore, that's when the Americans said, oh, okay, hang on, this is not the deal. The deal's changed. So on that, because I know there's a, a segment in the newsletter, anyway, kind of talking about this. Obviously, sentiment around China economy as a whole is yes. pretty negative. Yes. Um, the index has been negative for three years in a row. Do yep. you think it's partly because of this stuff? Yes and no. The, the, the reason why, if you, if you have a look at 
China, Japan and Germany, the return on their companies, the equity the company makes, i.e. the profit, right, is really low. And it's really low because of the way they've structured their economies as export economies. So they're right? relying on volume. Yes. Mm. And what you do is you say, don't, don't raise the exchange rate because that will make our companies less profitable, which means we'll sell less to the Americans. And so those companies, see, Chinese, Japanese and German economics, they're different from our economics. They're not, they're not like us where we're saying, hey, you know, we've got to make these things and make them profitable. What they're saying is, no, no, we've got a shitload of people to employ. Oh, yeah, but you've got to do it profitably. No, 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 you just got to employ the people. Yeah. Right, that's pay them one dollar an hour, and well, that's exactly right for two. Right, that's why what they do is they they suppress their domestic demand. Right, so the the Japanese don't go, oh man, I want to buy all that American stuff. I'm going to import it. The Japanese government goes, no, you're not. You're going to buy that. You're going to buy our local stuff. Right, and that that's the way it works. Whereas Australia and America goes, we don't give a shit where it comes from. Mm. If it's a cheap car, I don't care if it's Chinese, if it's quality, fine, I'm buying it. The Japanese go, no, 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 we don't want to buy any Chevys and any of that stuff. No, 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 people can buy Toyota. The Chinese are going, no, 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 people are going to buy BYD. The Germans are going, no, 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 you've got to buy Volkswagen. So they're saying, we don't want free trade, but... We're happy to export to you mm. and adjust our economies. And part of that is, Tom, the companies are not very profitable. But that's not the aim. The aim is to export, right, and get foreign currency. That's, that's their aim. It's not to make profitable companies. And that's the, that's the clash of capitalism, so to speak. That's why a lot of the time you look at the Chinese, as, as I think I pointed out a couple of weeks ago, the Chinese stock uh, economy has just gone gangbusters. Their economies, their stock market's been shit house. And this is why we say the stock market's not the economy because we tend to look at other economies and go, oh, the Chinese are just like us. They want really profitable stuff, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, but the government won't let them do it. Right, yeah. and, and that's what we're now seeing writ large with the Americans saying, listen, we've had enough of this bullshit capitalism where you guys are running, you know, you guys are buying all our assets, but we're not allowed to do anything in your market. Okay, we're going to stop that. I think an interesting one from, from an investor perspective or from my perspective, just thinking about the well two strategy is China's been negative for three years in a row. Buy it. Everything's saying, <laughs> everything that we know and love and have done for the last however many years say buy it. Yeah. But it feels a bit different. It always one. feels different. I know, but... But like, it always feels different. Everything that we've just talked about for the last half an hour says it feels different. I know, though. I know. But see, I, but I agree. I agree, right? Now, the reason why, because what you're doing is talking about the here and now. The second part is, and this is the tricky bit with investing, you could well be right. Fourth year in a row. Negative. Could be four Fifth or five year years, year. right? But what I'm saying is what you've got to remember, in, in, things you make money when things go from really terrible to bad, mm. right? And then bad to okay. Bad to okay. And then you get from okay to, hey, actually this is doing all right. Then you get the next stage, which is like, man, you cannot lose money buying China, yeah, right? But by money. that time, we've made money because we bought it when it was really ugly, yeah. right? No one, you, you know, you imagine 
and with the World 2 strategy, go and look at the top performers. They all fall off the top rank. Mm. Well, why do they do that? Because they get overvalued. Because everybody says, oh, you know, um, America. Oh, man, you know, you've got to have all your money in America because it's been going gangbusters for 10 years. Okay, but it's not going to stay that way. Yeah. Right. I mean, for the record, we are in China, which is the the, the interesting one. So the yes. next the yeah, next yeah. couple of years are gonna are gonna prove the point. And I think. See, well, it it and just let me grab a hold of that for a second. It may do right, and that's the that's the thing about investing. People might come back in two years and say, "Huh, you guys were bloody wrong on China." And it's like, yeah, but what about the other? The other seven we selected. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did well there. And it's like, okay, so what, you expect every one of my investments to make money? Yeah. I, I kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> well, they have for the yeah. last 10 years. Now, well, that's look, the point, right? Asset allocation, understanding your risk management, knowing that there's a risk behind China and going, like, I'm not going to put all 12 eggs in this Chinese basket. Exactly. So put one egg in. Put one Well, diversification, yeah. right? Asset allocation, rebalancing, all that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. And we talk about this with Turkey. Every time you look at Turkey, when it's in the bottom, you go, oh, my God, why would you invest in Turkey? What a shithole. Oh, look at all these problems. Makes 90%. Yeah. Right? Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen with China, but what I'm saying is when you buy something, you buy it because it's cheap. Well, you don't buy it because it's cheap. Everyone's going, oh, Jesus, what a great place China is. Mm. Right? That's why it's cheap because everyone's going, oh, shit, I wouldn't have my money in China. Oh, no way. Right? But that doesn't mean that you can't make money in it. Yeah. Look, just, just to move on quickly, um, one of the things we kind of spoke about, we've everyone's kind of been ante- anticipating a rate cut. That obviously didn't happen. <laughs> um, Shock. Y- you know, line that up with, in New South Wales, I think they reported January was a record for listings. Like, what are your thoughts yeah, yeah. on that? It's up well, to, what do they say? Uh, the, the property market, I mean, honestly. Do we but, have another half an hour to talk about? Property? Well, yeah, it's on the, that's just, on the blacklisted word. So there's now property in China that we can't talk about yeah, for the rest. Yeah, we spoke about it a lot, far well, too much. No, no, there's some stuff in there on China, Tom. If you look at, I think it's Wednesday, February twelve to sixteen. On Thursday, I put in there a graph which shows you the the difference between property prices and income. Okay, and we'll talk about this in the next session. The reason why is because it's really seriously important and you need to get a grasp of it because it's the way you get to understand that one. It's the way you get to understand how things work. It's absolutely critical, right? And I can tell you how it ends because, and I'm not being arrogant, all I'm saying is, guys, you tell me how it ends once I explain to you how it works. Now, it might go on for another three to five years, but every property market that has gone like ours has ended badly. Mm. We are not different, right? We don't have a special brand of capitalism that, you know, is an Aussie brand that's better than everybody else, right? And just, just quickly, 1980, interest rates are at about 16%. In 2000, they're at about 6%, righto? In 1980, the average Sydney property is 300,000. What is it in 2000? Interest rates have fallen from about 16 to about six, right? Which is an absolute boom for asset prices. So in 1980, Sydney's 300,000 for an average property. What's the price in 2000? 1.52. Okay, Tom? No idea. Wait, back in 2000? Yeah. 700? No, okay. 450. Oh. Now, that's a compound return 
of 2.5% per year, right? Wow. Yeah. Okay, now hold that thought, right? Interest rates going from 16 to 6, man, oh man, we are going to make a shitload of money, right? Because assets are cheap, right? Because interest is falling, okay? You make 2.2%. Now, 2,000, Sydney property, right, 450. What is it in 2020? Try again. Right? Now, do you do your compound return from two thousand to two thousand and twenty? It smashes it out of the ballpark. Yeah. Right? Markets cycle. Right? That's what I'm saying to people. When you listen to bullshit such as, oh, property only ever goes up, it's like, yeah, at two percent per year. Depending on what the value is. Right? Oh yeah, but Steve, interest rates are falling. I know. Go back and look at nineteen eighty. It's from done it 19, Well, okay. Properties are long-term investment, Steve. Okay. 1980, to now 2000. use that figure, to 2020, right? 1980, where it's 300 grand, to, to 2020, where it's now about 1.3, if my memory serves me correctly or something. What's the compound rate of that over 40 years? I'm sure you know what it is. 10%? 2.9. Oh, that was close. 2.9. <laughs> right. That's shocking. On that, let's leave the cliffhanger. And we'll touch on dun, it. We'll dun, touch dun. on it next week. Yes. All right, gents. Well, thanks for joining. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Cheers, folks. The Total Money Management Podcast is now releasing weekly. Follow us now on this app to stay up to date. And as always, remember, we don't provide financial advice.